Well, we've been going through some very interesting questions, especially geared towards those who have just become members of the Lord's Church, but it's no harm for us to go over it at all. We may have missed things or forgotten things along our journey in the Christian life, or just to learn, learn it anew, learn it over and, and find these wonderfully encouraging things. So what I want to talk about is, is something which to, to some people is a mystery. When they're told that they're a new person now, they're a new creature in Christ, well, what, what does it mean to be a new creature? And what did it mean about my previous life? What was I before? And of course, when I'm, when I'm going through this, I tend to get really excited. I can't help but get enthusiastic about the word. So if you have any comments or questions, don't forget to put your hands right up. Right up. If you scratch your nose, I'm probably going to think you're asking a question. <laughs> but it's worthwhile. Yes, Milton? You, no, you're not. Okay. You're just being clever. <laughs> well, as we look in the Bible, what it tells us about being a new creature in Christ, we come to realize that the greatest change in a person's life, in any person's life, takes place when they become a Christian. And it's the most important decision you can make of, in your entire life. Because it changes everything. It translates you out of the kingdom of darkness. It translates you from being a sinner bound for hell into being a saint. A sinner that's been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, bound for heaven. We have to keep working at that. See, the devil wants to, to take us away from, from the Lord. The devil hates the Lord and he hates us. He hates, he hates the fact that there's hope in the world. So we need to hold on to that and realize that when we become Christians, we exchange nations. We're no longer a part of the nation of darkness. We're now in the kingdom of God, in the nation of light. We're no longer enslaved to Satan. But we're subjects of the kingdom of Almighty God. Turn with me, if you will, to Colossians chapter 1 and verses 12 to 14. That's Colossians chapter 1 and verses 12 to 14. Here Paul writes to us, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now meet means, it, it means that we're made suitable. You see, before we were Christians, we were not suitable to be in the kingdom of God. After we become Christians and the Lord sees us through his Son, our Savior Jesus, whom we are in, then we become suitable to be partakers of the kingdom of the inheritance, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Now that's a wonderful realization. When you've lived your whole life being afraid of going to hell, not knowing if you're ever really saved or not, or, or some people have told you that you're saved when you put your hand up, never you know, realizing inside that there's something not quite right here. There's something not biblical about this. When you go from all that misinformation, when you unlearn all of that falsehood, and you learn the truth that it is through Christ and through our baptism into Christ, Galatians 3.27, that we become Christians that we enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, I've often likened it to become a, becoming a citizen of the United States. Now, I'm close. I'm so close. 
I've gone for the interview. I'm waiting for them to get in touch so we can go up there and I can take the oath. But until I take that oath and get my papers, I'm not a citizen. And it's the same when you're, if, if you decide you want to become a Christian. You can believe in it. But if you're not baptized, you don't have your papers, you don't have your passport. You're not a member of the kingdom. You can come close to the water. And brethren, I have seen people come so close to that water. I've seen them stand by the water and turn back. It's heartbreaking. But you cannot force it. It has to be their decision. So when it is their decision to obey the gospel, it is a time of rejoicing. It's a wonderful thing because we've seen someone get ransomed out of the kingdom of darkness, taken away from the kingdom of Satan and brought into the kingdom of our Lord. And remember, the kingdom and the church are one and the same thing. It makes all the difference in the world. Many have said, well, what does the Bible mean when it talks about us being crucified? Crucified the old self, the old self of sin. Well, let's turn to Romans chapter 6 and verse 6. Let's see what it says. Romans 6 and verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. What a difference that makes in our lives to know that we've been ransomed. The hope that it brings in to those who had no hope. To know that as far as the Lord is concerned, all those sins that you committed, all those things that were making you bound for hell, they're gone. That huge list, I know there's just one on this, but imagine if it's full of things, the big, a, big, a big list of crimes. Once you become Christian, it's like that. It's blank. It's wiped away. It's washed away. It makes all the difference in the world. You see, all things are put away, the Bible says. And all things are made new in Christ. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter, four, chapter 5 and verse 17. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Beg your pardon. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? He is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Read on to verse 18. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So we've been reconciled to God. We've been made new creatures in Christ. And turn on over to Romans Romans verse 8, and we read about how Paul speaks of the relationship with God. And he uses these words, starting in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So not only are our sins washed away, if we remain in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. Turn to verse 9, the same chapter. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. So, 
in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of us. So if you're not a Christian, if you're not in Christ, you're not. You're not saved. It's as simple as that. Now the world will have you believe something else, won't it? Won't the world tell you that there's many ways to God? But which God are they talking about? Only this week we've seen a man get up in Congress and he, he said he was saying a prayer to the God of America, to the God of the world, a monotheistic, to the monotheistic God. And yet as he got close to the end, he named that God. And he called that God Brahma, not Jehovah, not Yahweh, not the Lord Jesus Christ, but Brahma. Now, who is Brahma? Everybody was fixated on the silly thing he said at the end, amen and a woman. Everyone fixated on that, but they forgot that he led those people in a prayer to a God called Brahma. That's not the God of the Bible. Brahma is not the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Brahma is, in fact, the creator God, the trinity true of Krishna, Vishnu, and Shiva of the Hindu religion, not of Christianity at all. There are those out there who will say that Allah, the God of the Muslims, that, that, that the Mohammedan God is the same as the God of the Bible, that he's the same as Jehovah God. He's not. Allah was the king of many gods in the in the Arabian um, pantheon, in the Arabian mythology of religions. He had a wife and there were all these other gods and everything. Muhammad heard about the Jewish God, about there being just one God, and he thought, that's a good idea. But it's not him. Oh no, it's, it's, it's Allah. That was in his mind, and he was going to spread his religion around the world by doing what? Teaching it peacefully? By forcing people to convert to the edge of a sword. Make no mistake, no matter what the world might say, Allah is not the same God as Jehovah. No more than Zeus or Jupiter or Odin or Elvis Presley. It's not the same God. See, our God, the God of the Bible, is merciful. He's involved in our lives. And he wants us to become new creatures in Christ Jesus. Now we know that Jesus is the Son of God. You know... So a little aside here. On the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, there's a play building called the, uh, the Alaska Mosque. And written around it in Arabic says, God does not beget, neither has he begotten. Well, actually it says, Allah has not begot, be, does not beget, neither has he begotten. That is an insult to Christianity, to say that Jesus isn't the Son of God. But we don't need to be insulted, because Allah is not God. There is no other way to be saved except through Jesus Christ. Turn with me to verse 16 of Romans chapter 8. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And verse 17, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also, that we be also glorified together. When we become a child of God, everything changes for us. 
God who could not see us because of his righteousness sees us through Christ. He hears our prayers, our petitions. We can go into the Holy of Holies and he will listen. So as a new creature in Christ, there is a new condition, a new relationship, and there's also a new state in life. So let's look at this new condition that we have when we become Christians. We've been saved from a lost condition, as we read in Luke chapter 15, verses 3 to 32. We've been saved from this lost condition by Christ Jesus and what he achieved. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 15 and verse 24. That's Matthew chapter 15 and verse 24. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He was sent to, the, to seek and save the lost, as we read in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. So we've been saved from this terrible condition of being outside of God, of, of having no hope, of having no actual comfort of any worth. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 3. Here Paul writes of the consequences of those who have not heard the gospel. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And let's read on. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You see, Christianity is not a religion that is spread through, the, through force of arms. Not through a sword at the point of a gun. It doesn't need it. The message of Christ is so strong and overpowering that when you open your mind, when you open your heart, you see something entirely different to what the world would offer you. The world offers you gain. These religions offer you gain in the world. A great many of religions will tell you that if you stay good, if you follow the rules set out by these men, you can ascend one day to be a god yourself. Where did we hear that before? It's the oldest lie in the book. Satan said it to Eve. The serpent said it to Eve, remember? If you eat of this fruit, ye shall be as gods. You shall be as God. You see the pride in those religions. You see, if we are in Christ, then we are truly saved. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2 and verses 36 to 38. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know surely that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Say this in his prayer, and you'll be fine. Hmm. No, does it not say that? It's not there, is it? Not just say, Lord Jesus, I confess my sins, I ask you into my heart, come be with me and sup with me forever and ever. It doesn't, doesn't say that, does it? Is this broken? 
Something's broken. But it's not the Bible. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. So we're baptized for the remission of sins. We're baptized to be so we can be forgiven of sins. The scripture is very clear about that. Let's turn on over to verse 47, same chapter. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily as should be saved. Those who should make the decision to become Christians. You see, just believing is not enough, though. You must obey. And it is then that we realize that we are saved in Christ. And it is only in him that we are. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. where we read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Again, it goes back to us being joint heirs with Christ in the kingdom. And then to Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. You see, it, it's okay to have an opinion, but if you can't back it up by the Bible, that opinion is worthless. Show me in the book. Show me in the Bible. Romans chapter, one, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 4 says, What then? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? We're dead to sin, but we're alive in Christ. Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So the old man, the sinful man, He's gone as far as God is concerned. He's dead. That is how we are born again. Not by saying some magical superstitious prayer. And thankfully a great many of these denominations that teach this are waking up and realizing that that is in fact a superstition. You can't back it up by the book. You can't do it. Yes, Brother Mill. Let me get back to you on that because I didn't prepare for that at all. <laughs> I have a pretty good idea, but I'd rather get to the book and get you the actual, make sure I'm right about it 100% if it's him. Even if it was about him, by example, it would be for us. So you said at Je um, Romans 7 verses 13. Mm -hmm. He was an apostle, but uh, the situation here, to me, it says like there's confusion that he's having a fight because when he was a Pharisee of all Pharisees, he was that one. 
what Paul is talking about there, if you look at the context and the topic, he's talking about the law, the Old Testament and the law. And basically, you know, about the war that sin had. He said, but I wouldn't know I had, I had sin if it wasn't the law. But the law is done away with now. And he, this is part of his continuing argument against the Judaizing teachers. And, and I will admit, sometimes Paul's arguments and discussions get really convoluted because he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He, was, you know, he, he, he could go through those logic circles very carefully. And, uh, but that's basically what he's talking about there is about the law, the, the law Old Testament. It's done away with, yes. Yeah. And to put that in that, you know, and also, you know, the, the struggle that we all have with sin. But we wouldn't know we had sin if we didn't have the law. Right. Tell us it was sin. Because yeah. if, if, if you're not educated to what the sin is, mm. then you don't know it's a sin. And ignorance can be deadly. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's why we have, you know, children that are not old enough mm -hmm. to be aware, you know, or are not considered accountable. Yeah. There you go. Okay. 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 And, of course, ignorance of the law is no excuse. You know, you, you can try it with the police officer, you know. Officer, I didn't know it was illegal to rob the bank, but yeah, it's not going to work. <laughs> True. Well, anyway, as, as Christians, we have a new relationship. Remember, we have a... Um, we understand that as a new creature in Christ, we have a new condition, a new relationship, and a new state of life. Now, in this new relationship, we come to realize that we were once separated from God, but in Christ... We are united with God. We're, we're in, his, in his good books. Turn to Isaiah, chapter 59, verses 1 to 2. Isaiah, chapter 59, verses 1 to 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that, he, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he, that he will not hear. So when we're full of sin, when we sin in our lives, he cannot hear. Why? Why does sin separate us from God that he cannot hear us? Because he's a righteous God. And he cannot permit sin in his presence. That's why we need to be cleansed through the blood of the Lamb in baptism. That is why we need to be made fit to be children of God. And yes, Sister Sam. Yes, sin separated Christ from God, Sister Sandy said. Sin did, and it was agonizing. I mean, can you imagine? But that, that is exactly what happened. And remember this, a very important point. The sin that separated Christ from God the Father wasn't his sin. It was our sin. It was our sin that separated, separated God, separated Jesus from God the Father. Turn to Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 to 23. Let's see. That's Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 to 23. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. 
and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Now what does this tell us before we move on to verse 23? It tells us that through the Lord Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice, all our sins have been washed away. They're all gone. There's nothing left there. We don't need to somehow make up for the things that Christ's blood did not account for. There are people in some churches which teach that you need to go on a pilgrimage. You need to walk up steps on your knees to get years off your sentence for sin. That's not what the Bible is teaching. There are people out there who literally torture themselves not realizing that the sacrifice of Christ is enough. Why would anyone think it would be okay to dilute that sacrifice? Yes, Bill. Okay. It's okay. okay. And in verse 23 we read, If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. So we have to continue in the faith. It's not a matter of you're baptized and that's it. You've clicked your ticket, you're going to heaven. You've got to continue in the faith. That's the beginning. It's not the end of it. It's the beginning of ourselves as a new child of God. Yes, Brother Milk, you remember. People who are doing that seem to be trying to earn their forgiveness. That's what they're trying to earn, forgiveness. Yeah. No. That's a good analogy, yeah. yeah. How hard would it be if you had to hop out all the time and put your hand to try and do it when you don't need to? Back in the day, that's what yeah. it was. That's what, that's what it was. But, but when it comes to sin, our sins are completely washed away through the blood of the Lamb. It's as simple as that. And there are people who will whip themselves, they will cut themselves. There's horrible scenes that go on around the world. And it's all because of their misinterpretation of the Bible or just being misled by bad people, wrong people. And remember also, as we finish, remember that as a Christian, we are reconciled to God. Turn to Colossians, sorry, turn to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17. Wherefore in all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. That's exactly what Christ has done. He has made it possible for us to be reconciled to God because in of ourselves there's nothing we can do. Oh, yeah. You know, George, the, the people that do the self-flagellation and the That's acts it. and the things like that, you know, that 
to, in my mind, they're just like the Pharisees that prayed on the street corner just looking for the attention of men. That's exactly what they're doing. And so they're mm -hmm. getting the attention of men. Look at how pious I am. Look yeah. at how holy I am because of what I'm suffering. And it's all about them and it's not about God. I've seen it. I've seen it. Remember, I grew up in Ireland. It's a very Roman Catholic country. And when Ash Wednesday would come around, they would take ashes from a fire, fire little fire, and they'd go around with put them on their foreheads, showing you, look, look at the ashes I'm wearing on my head. And if you didn't wear them, they'd go up and they'd say, do you want some ashes? And you'd say, oh, no, I'm not a Roman Catholic. And the, usually the answer was, are you Irish? And you'd be going, suppose so. <laughs> and they'd get really angry that you weren't. But the whole thing was hypocrisy. It was to be seen of men. That's exactly what it was for. And that's what they're doing. So if you're cutting yourself and saying, look, look, I'm cutting myself for Jesus. Jesus doesn't want you to cut yourself. So sad. Yes, Bill. Yeah. Thank you. I, I don't know if I agree with it or not, but uh, I've had some ministers teach that whenever you wear a cross, you're, you're showing people that you're a Christian. And it's like you're... And, I mean, I, you know, the Bible... He associated it with uh, idols. Yeah, it's nonsense. Okay. I mean, that is, I, I'm going to tell you why it's nonsense. Because, remember the Lord said, if you declare my name before others, I will declare your name before my Father. If you show your loyalty to me, there's a difference between a cross and a crucifix too. So there's a big, huge difference. That's the one with an idol on it, the front of it. It's, it's not Jesus. Please understand the symbol of the cross, which you're seeing here, was used by early Christians. There's, there's evidence of it being used within uh, at least by AD 70. There's symbols of the cross in Pompeii when it was destroyed, where some Romans were very upset about this man converting one of their friends, and they wanted to know why he wasn't drinking with them. You know? But it's evidence Christians wore crosses. That's how they identified themselves. And it's like, is it arrogance to wave the stars and stripes? Is that idolatry? No, it's showing your loyalty. So when you wear the cross, you're saying, I'm showing my loyalty to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Now, remember, world the difference between a cross and a crucifix with the, the little statue on it. Yes, hello, Sandy. <laughs> yeah. No, no, not if you're in your right mind. You're not going to worship a, a, anything else other than God. You don't need that. I mean, you know who he is. But, um, yeah, there's, there's a world of difference between those things. And also, ladies, if you wear red lipstick, it's absolutely fine. It's not the color of the devil. People have said that red is the color of the devil. Believe it or not, in the Middle Ages, red was actually the color of Jesus, and blue was the color of the devil. Somehow it changed because of silliness, you know. The Pope. The Pope. Just remember, Santa Claus wears red. So what's that tell you? If you were naughty this year, maybe you would think he's the devil. <laughs> but as Christians, we be when we become Christians, we enter into a new life. And it changes everything. It changes us because we have become approved of God. We've been made to fit the standard that we need to reach in order to become his children. That's the wonderful thing about being a new creature. And that is when we become born again. Not when you say a prayer that's not in the Bible. It's not there. You won't find it. You'll, you'll 
grow old and turn into a skeleton before you find it. Yeah, that's that. Similar to, uh, like you said, getting your driver's license. If you get your driver's license, you have to study, you have to understand. This sign means this. That mm. red light means this. You know, it's like the Bible. You were talking about it earlier. You know, you can't go to God and say, whoops, I didn't know that was your law. You have, you have to understand it. Yeah. Acts 17.10 tells us that the times of that ignorance that God winked at, that's over. We're under the law of Christ now. And all are accountable. And all will stand before Christ. But you have to study and understand it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That is it. And it is time. I didn't need to ring the bell. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you for your attention.